So, hi everyone, uh, my name is Alistair Wheat from Analytica and delighted to be joined here by Ronald Van Loon, Brian Fanzo and Sally Eves. We are going to be talking about how to turn your events digital, um, especially if you weren't planning on doing a digital event. Uh, the world has changed since the last time we all spoke together on a webinar and uh, I'm sure it has for you too. I'm currently working from home, I'm uh, in my boys bedroom uh, surrounded by Lego and soft toys. Um, so I'm not going to pan the camera around. It's a bit of a mess, um, but uh, I hope uh, you're all keeping well. And uh, we're going to uh, first of all let uh, let our panelists uh, introduce themselves before I dive into our first question. So uh, Ronald, do you want to kick us off? Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, I just uh, I, I just launched a new company called the Intelligent World, which is an online consulting and content research network for thought leaders, for analysts, and, and for influencers. Next to that, I have a couple of more roles. I'm a vlogger, blogger, and a webinar host, and I attend, attended many, many physical events, normally on a weekly basis. Um, I'm also an author of an AI strategy coaching series, and I'm a course advisor for Simply Learn for Big Data and AI, and they are a Big Data and AI certification uh, courses. Sally, how about you? Excellent. Um, so I'm Professor Sally Eaves, um, and I've kind of got a mixed background, so CTO by trade. I do a lot of advisory work around technology from 5G and AI to blockchain to cloud to IoT. I also write extensively. So, again, thought leadership work and I speak and write actively at different events. And I have two books coming out this year as well, one called The Edge of Disruption and one called Tech for Good. And I really like bringing that combination really of emergent technology, education and social impact together. Brian. All right, I like I like when we, I'm surrounded by uh, fellow tech people. It's an, it's a rarity for me uh, in my side. Uh, my name is Brian Fanzo. I'm a digital futurist. Uh, background in cybersecurity for the Department of Defense here uh, in the U.S. Was a technology evangelist uh, in a cloud computing company for multiple years, and now I'm a full-time speaker. I, well, I would say full-time out of work speaker uh, <laughs> is probably the best way to say it at the moment. Uh, I do about 65 to 80 uh, keynotes a year. Um, this for the next uh, four months, I have zero keynotes, uh, but. Uh, you know, my background, uh, the book that I have coming out is called Press the Damn Button, uh, which is inspiring people to tell their story and put their things out to the world. Uh, my my mantra and really the things that I focus a lot on is how do we you know create digital empathy, really the harmony between technology and innovation and humanity. And you know, for me, my business has been grown thanks to social media and live video. So although my my keynote speaking offline conferences has been disrupted, I've done a little over 3,500 live videos. Uh, I host uh, five podcasts uh, across different channels. And so I create a lot of content. I live in the digital space for my lead gen. So although I'm no longer selling or for the short term selling the offline conference, I'm now kind of pivoting into some coaching and strategy work with both brands on how they can get virtual and then speakers on how they can convey their message without the stage and without the live audience. Great, thank you all for your introduction. And this is uh, why you're all here, because uh, I've asked Ronald, Sally, and Brian to, to join me on this call because they've all got lots of experience of both doing physical um, in-person events and also digital uh, virtual events. So, uh, you know, the world has changed. Who knows uh, what it's gonna be like when all of this is over and how long this is all gonna take to, to pass. Um, and so difficult times for many people. It's, it's a big change for marketing. Um, what I want to cover specifically today is um, any of you listening who are marketers who are used to doing physical in-person events and now suddenly have had to cancel them and are trying to figure out how to create an online version of that event or actually, you know, you're looking further ahead and you're thinking, right, I might just have to do online only events for the foreseeable future. How do I do that? 
And we've also got the challenge now that there are going to be many delegates who would normally go to these events and themselves are not used to attending online events and don't really know how to join a webinar. So I'm going to be asking these three experts who have been to more events than you can shake a stick at um, about some some advice about how to kind of transition from that, especially if you were really not planning on doing this at all. So um, maybe I just wanted to uh, ask start 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 off with um, the three of you a question about people who've maybe already got an event or had an event planned and they had a speaker lineup, they had maybe seminars and they had the whole thing planned and they suddenly had to bin it. How can you kind of salvage something from that event? So what can you do with your speaker lineup? What can you do with a seminar program? Or is it just bin the whole thing and just start from scratch with some kind of online format? I don't know, Sally, do you wanna kick us off with that one? Yeah, okay, I think I've got quite a current example of that actually. So there was an innovation summit and I had a couple of roles in this. It was gonna be over two to three days. One day I was actually MC which I've done a lot of lately and I'm really quite enjoying that. And on the other day, I was a keynote speaker and also taking part in a panel. Um, and when, you know, with current events and things at the moment, we've tried to be quite pragmatic about that. There's a lot of value in that. So if we're looking at converting anything online, it's all about that question of value for me. We didn't want to lose that. So how could we bring everybody together? And one example is what we did two days ago, which was a LinkedIn Live. And we created like virtual panel versions with different perspectives coming together on the same topic areas. And we effectively rolled out a version of the agenda we would have done in person, but we did that using different means. The LinkedIn Live one I thought was particularly successful. And again, a bit like the format we've got there, four to five people sharing perspectives and just really getting people involved. And I think the thing that supported that as well is that for people who hadn't attended such a thing beforehand, we did a lot around the preparation. A lot, about, a lot around the pre-testing. I think sometimes with these things, if you're not familiar, obviously we're on StreamYard today for this one, but some people have never used this beforehand. So again, it's just putting that effort in to help people feel really comfortable about it. And I think particularly now, because all of us, our routines are a little bit out the window at the moment. And I think we all travel a lot with our respective uh, work and speaking and things like that. But for a lot of people, particularly for delegates and people who are working at home for the first time, this is quite disruptive. So I think if we can make events that are going online more familiar, that's really important too. We need to have that kind of comfort factor a little bit to make things easier um, and more familiar. As I say, I think that's massively important. But I think that we can really have an opportunity here. It's it's difficult times, but I think we have to be pragmatic. Um, I'm very kind of purpose led in what I do, and I think we can really come together here and actually create some really high value events and experiment a little bit for the first time. And there's more freedom to perhaps do that now than never beforehand. So so I'm quite positive, you know, the right mindset of what we can do here. Cool, Brian, how about you? Yeah, so I, I, mean, I love that. And I think, you know, one of the things we have to like set the stage is that nothing we do in the virtual space will replace everything we do at an offline conference, right? And mm. there's a reason for the last 10 years, we've had virtual and digital offerings, and they haven't replaced the offline. Uh, but I think this is our chance to reinvent what that digital experience looks like, right? So I love Sally talking about LinkedIn Live and integrating multiple voices. And previously, like just the logistics of bringing up people on stages and back and forth would feel chaotic in a, a offline world. In an online world, it's something that we should be leveraging. It, you know, it maintains attention. But I think, you know, to answer the question in the sense of like, what are we doing now? You know, we're in a delicate scenario, right? Where there's many of us that are like, hey, we need to do business as normal. Life goes on. We need to push forward. But there's also consumers and, you know, in the U.S. here, as much as, you know, a 20% unemployment rate is what's predicted. And so we have to remember, like, our, our audience is in a state of mind that they want to consume. They want to um, be a part of these events. You know, I... I speak at a lot of like kind of Fortune 100 uh, enterprise tech events. So I was doing Oracle, IBM, SAP events over the next couple of months. And 
they originally canceled offline, went virtual, but then I've seen multiple of them just decide to postpone the virtual into the fall. And I think that those are some interesting decisions that we kind of have to make. Um, I think there's the other piece of it is, is because, you know, the thing that we have in the offline world, which is really the luxury that, uh, that we don't get anywhere else is we have captured attention. We have people that are there that are, you know, and it's, it's so beautiful. And in the digital world, not only do we not have captured attention, multiple tabs, multiple distractions, kids running in the background, but we also have this unsettled world of what does our new normal look like? And so I think one of the things that we have to start looking at, and especially like for speakers, like for a couple of my events, I mean, I had, I had 14 events over the next 75 days. Um, and in a matter of four days, I lost all 14, right? So they all 14 um, canceled. And for many of them, they were like, Brian, you know, we love to hire you, but we're going to move your virtual and we're just going to use internal talent, which meant they're just going to have executives talk. And for me, it was like, well, part of what you were doing was this, you know, third party validation and you had analysts. And, and so part of me is like, well, I know that's going to fail. And when it fails, they're going to come running back to me and it'll, it'll be okay. But even in a different kind of switching that mindset, so many of us aren't sure what the virtual landscape looks like. And as speakers, you know, and, and I, I think Ronald talked about, uh, you know, being a webinar host, like just like a panel, right? Most panels suck unless you have a great moderator, right? When you have a great moderator, like that, <laughs> that, that is yeah, online and that was offline, right? Like they, they can be really powerful. And I believe webinars can be the same way, but there's also this weird space where, someone looks at, hey, an offline conference is something you plan for nine, 12 months. You have all of these different speakers, different voices, you have different tracks. When we move online, we're like, let's just put a bunch of webinars in a row and call it the same thing. And I think it's a, it's like a disconnect that we have. And so part of this, I think, as we look at this, uh, you know, both from brands and speakers and, and where we move forward is not only how do we integrate other components, but how can we look at solving the same problems that exist but doing it in a delicate way because there is this kind of you know uneasy piece of it and you know i i reached out to a lot of my clients that were like we're just not ready to move forward but in the last 48 hours i've had four clients they're actually not even clients four people that just happen to know me via social media reach out and say brian can you architect what a virtual event would look for us and these are you know it's like fannie mae some large companies and so there are companies that have sales teams that are like, where's all my quote, where's all my leads that I would have normally got from this mm. event that yeah. they have to make up for that, right? Like there's no, there's no lost time for that. While at the same time, there's a lot of events that are like, my audience might be unemployed, laying people off. Like how do I, so I, th I think it's a balance. And I also think, you know, we, we as marketers use the word unprecedented a lot. I think this is the first time it's actually, you know, it actually means something as we are living in unprecedented times, the entire world's in, impacted. And so I think with that being transparent, kind of, you know, being willing to work and adapt and, you know, and the thing about it is, you know, I get to help brands go online. I've, I launch a lot of Facebook lives for like IBM and Dell and that's where press the damn button came from. And the, my number one rule, and it's still the rule for virtual is that perfection is a fairy tale. And if we can remember that we're, no, we're not trying to be perfect with what we're delivering online, I think it'll take some of that worry away and we can start to be a little bit more creative. Thank you. Hey, Ronald, what do you think? Yeah, and I think where, where Brian ends with this is creativity. I think we're going into an era where we're going to try many different formats. There's no right or wrong. Um, Elsewhere, you started already, you said, okay, let's see, it will be an unplugged version. 
if you look to the traditional formats, you have keynotes, you have panels, you have interviews. Um, the goals were very, very much set where you have the, they wanted to present the key message to, to the event audience. They, they wanted to show their authority. They want to engage and want to give this great experience at this physical event. If you looked at the digital events, um, let's say at this physical event, so I attended around 60 events in, in the last, last year where I transformed this content from this physical event into the, the digital format. At the old goal, it was always focusing at reaching these new audiences. We were there to, to reach it outside of the event and engage and build this thought leadership and awareness in, in the digital space. I think now this is going to change. Now it's both, let's say, the, the people that normally came to the physical event that they want to reach. They want to reach this new audience where influencers can, can help to reach this, this, new type of, um, um, uh, this new type of influencers. But the difference is that we're going to create this um, audience together together with vendors with speakers um, all together we we have to drive them online and if you look to, to different type of examples i've done quite some examples in the past and last couple of days many companies asked me okay what is possible so what type of um uh, the, the virtual um possibilities do we have and as you mentioned there will be many different formats the coming coming time but you have um keynotes which can record and you can live broadcast them live broadcast them to youtube to linkedin to twitter at the same time maybe at, at your website um where you can have for example influencers who give their opinion so in, in the physical event you have also the um the keynote where influencer or analysts are there they give their opinion they share their opinion uh, with their audience um, that's how you can transform it in, in a digital format you have um your keynote um, again you can uh, record your keynote at, at home and then um, you can have influencers make a pre and a post analyst session and give their opinion. So um, you have uh, external opinions instead of uh, telling all only about yourself. Also with the, with the panels where in, indeed the, the host is the one who, who can drive it, but where you can have um, external hosts, you can have influencers, they have the experience and um, you can share it. And, and the last part is um, interviews, interviews still there. Um, I'm doing now all kinds of interviews where we do them either remote um, or they record them um, at home. I record them um, in my studio. And then with our production capabilities, we um, um, we record independently and we match it in a post-production and, and make a nice, um, 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 let's say, total story of it. So you have the live versions, you have the, the produced versions. And if you look to the results, um, so I've done a couple of, of live broadcasts um, streamed via LinkedIn, via Twitter, via YouTube. Uh, which have um, to between 10,000 and 20,000 viewers after um, after week week and a half, and there's much more engagement where people like to chat. Um, and this, let's say, this type was was only without the promotion from the vendor. So if we combine forces, um, yeah, we we can get much more audience on one end, much broader, um, and and still have quite some engagement. So it's a matter of do it. Um, you have all the the content. Um, take care that you have some production and um, have the te technical facilities ready and just do it and make a format and, and make it happen. Yeah, so you talked about the uh, kind of recorded live videos. So that, that's basically where there's there's a, re a recorded session and then it goes on to, let's say, LinkedIn Live, but then it's live because there's an ability to actually chat and interact with the speaker, you know, whilst their kind of their pre-recorded talk is kind of playing kind of in the background. Um, that That's what you mean. I think we've... Um, oh. 
That's right. Yeah. So yeah, and, and I should say for any uh, anyone listening, watching, um, we will be sharing links uh, from all three speakers, just of examples, um, you know, where, where for the content that they're talking about, whether they've they've been involved with in the past. So that will come with the uh, the post when it goes uh, onto LinkedIn and on, on our blog when we put it out there as well. Um, um, just wanted to pick up a bit more um, on something that Sally said about the you know the delegates when they're coming along who maybe not used to online events. Um, one of my colleagues in sales who I was talking with said that now he's suddenly getting loads of uh, con connection acceptance uh, notifications on LinkedIn. So people that he sent connection requests out to sometimes months ago are now suddenly accepting them. And it's like these people like hardly ever use LinkedIn and now suddenly they're all coming on and using social media like, you know, for the first time in ages, you know, some people who've got these dormant LinkedIn accounts and now suddenly actually going onto LinkedIn and you know, there's probably a massive upsurge in social media usage from professionals because they're working from home and now they're they're craving some kind of peer connectivity, which they would, you know, would have had around their, you know, the, the water cooler or the, the coffee station in their office or just, you know, the person on the desk next to them. So there, there's there's a whole range of people telling you, you talked a bit about bringing some of those people kind of, you know, come to, into this online event format, which they may never have taken part in. Uh, I just wonder if you can maybe elaborate on that and then I'll let, let the gents, you know, talk about maybe some ideas of how to bring people into the online event for this environment who maybe are kind of, you know, first timers or really not, not sure how to, what they should be doing, how, you know, whether they should be posting questions, that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. I mean, for me, I, I think, I mean, obviously I share a lot online. I do a lot of, you know, thought leadership work there, but the reason I got into that in the first place was community. Now, I, I really care about that. I love the exchanging of things that matter. Um, meeting people that have got like-minded views or even different ones and how you bring that together and kind of that community of shared values. And I think what people are going to miss, particularly around the physical events, is that coming together. You know, I think what we always appreciate like the networking around the event is it's the content, but it's also that social aspect around it as well. So I think if we can do things online that help to have that element of the event in there as well, I think we, might, we have to make sure we don't leave that behind. I think particularly over the next few months, I think that element is massively important. So as Ronald was describing, I think there's loads of things we can do in terms of the technology. You know, I'm, I'm doing a keynote next week, uh, effectively I've recorded it, and with exactly that kind of um, profile where people can do that live Q&A and get involved in it. But I think we can do kind of other things beyond that as well. And part of that's around education, you know, sharing resources about what we can do, what is possible, the art of the possible, as I would call it, um, and sharing those widely. Um, so see, there'll be some new resources that are coming out on my website next week, which is very much about that. Examples of what can be done, different things, and just trying to get people that element of comfort, comfortable with it, being familiar, uh, and how that can work in your routine. So things like podcasts, I've got a new podcast series out, but you know, familiar, familiarity is important. Quite often those are done at a certain type of day, you know, like the daily commute, for example. And the daily commute for a lot of people isn't going to be here um, but for a little while longer. So I've been trying to look creatively about how can we do that differently then? And how what, what is the new normal there? So I've been putting together some thoughts and bringing some other people in on that to kind of give ideas and just get people involved in that discussion too. Because in many cases, there isn't a right or wrong answer here. We do need to experiment. We need to be quite comfortable with doing that. Um, but I think we need to help people feel empowered to do that, to try something different. And education, I always say this, I say this a lot, about education and technology go hand in hand. And the times we're in at the moment, for me, that's about awareness. So sharing examples of what can be done, um, and I think we've all got great examples and we, we do similar things. Um, and uh, yeah, just sharing that experience is really vital now and giving people that comfort factor. Yeah, maybe we should have a kind of virtual commute where yeah, everyone just sets aside, you know, yeah, exactly. half an hour, an hour a day just to kind of, you know, spend that time I think uh, you know, listening to listening yeah. to content like this, um, yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> chatting with people online. Yeah, so that, you know, maybe, maybe people could try and pack, pack that in as part of their 
the schedule. Yeah, Ronald, um, any ideas from you then about um, this kind of way of maybe engaging with delegates who are first timers, they're not sure what they, sh you know, what's, what participation looks like in an online event, how to kind of draw them in? Yeah, so as you mentioned already, the situation changes now. People are working from home and now they get online. Maybe they haven't been, been on LinkedIn for, for months and now they get on LinkedIn. So the work habits are changing and almost everybody now works virtually from home. So the people that were non-digital, they, they will go digital anyhow because they have to work virtually. And if you look from, from the perspective of, of a marketer, they want to reach their audiences. They want to invite them. Um, it's basically similar as what you did to your physical event, but now instead of inviting them for the uh, the, the the digital or for the physical, and now you invite them for the digital event instead of for the for the physical event. Um, so you have all your email list, and you can quite easily use this to invite them for this this live broadcast uh, where they can be there at a certain specific time. On the other hand, um, you have influencers, and they can help you as well next to the ones that only attend the physical events they will be on social media now so much so they will see the influencers post as well where they can help them with with promote with getting subscribers um, with creating relevant and independent content in, in a format that the audience really loves and yeah the influencers can help as well with sharing the content and engage on on different social channels as well yeah, so online influence is going to soon become only influence. You know, it's like you know, there's no other way of influencing, right? It's like a yes, yeah. it's kind of forced digital transformation for every company. You know, it's like whether you want to digitally transform or not, you got to yeah, digitally transform. It's a digital transformation from the from the events, probably what's going to happen right now. Yeah, Brian, I'm sure you got some good suggestions here as well. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting, right? That you know, I deployed a social selling solution uh, for my data center company in 2013. And it was kind of like people were really excited using LinkedIn and, and it, it was adopted. But, you know, at the time it was probably a 20% online leads, 80% were still offline networking event conferences. Well, <laughs> with everyone not even being able to be around each other, you, it's going to be 80-20 the other way or 90-10 the other way. So not only LinkedIn connections, but things that maybe people have heard, things that people um, ha have practiced, they're now going to double down, triple down. And I think there's a, there's a tendency for us to believe because more people are connected, more people want to be accessed. And I'm going to make the argument and kind of where Sally said, I think more people want to be educated, more people want to be helped, more people want to feel less alone, but no, not more people want to be marketed to or sold to, right? And I think there is a tendency for us to like, completely dive in and pivot into that space. And then another part of it is, you know, the tendency for us in this online world is that, you know, and this is where, you know, the whole press the damn button came from is that, you know, I believe there's so many great people doing great things in the world, but right now we have fake news, bad news and Corona news. Like those are the three, those are the three things that are in the world at the moment. And I've always said that, you know, part of the reason fake news and bad news get so much attention is because there's not enough good people telling good stories or putting themselves out there. LinkedIn's the perfect example. Like when's the last time your resume got you a client or a job or, or closed a deal, right? You're, you don't ever walk in with your resume yet. If you look at majority of LinkedIn profiles, there's not a personality to it. The picture is, is even different than what you would. Your intro paragraph doesn't tell stories. And I, so I, I, I think I, I'm excited that it is kind of like a forced digital transformation. It's also a forced, you know, adaption to a world that, you know, people have been telling you, you have, it's coming around. But for many of us that we've been like 
hey, it's coming and, and lots of people have been waiting. Well, now you're forced. And I will also say like someone that loves change and believes in the power of it, when you're forced to change, it adds a level of fear. It adds a level of uncomfort. It also it can be compounded with the stress of having to work with your spouse or your kids there. And so I think this is one of those interesting uh, arenas where if we want to look at it, you know, working with influencers, collaborating with others, the more we can focus on education, the more we can make people feel that, hey, we're all normal to video. Like one of my, my taglines all the time is like, the, there's a secret about video. Everyone sucks the first time and everyone hates being on it for many, many times, right? Like, and when we start putting it out there for people and we make people realize that, that it's okay for this to be a little bit scary and this to be a little bit, you know, outside of the norm. Um, I think it's important. Like one of the things I've reached out to my entire network across the, the piece and said, you know, I don't have, I'm not a, uh, a gear or equipment person, but I've spent 10 years testing out every microphone, every gear, all the things. Cause that's kind of what I've done. And I put out to the, Hey, I will message. Anyone can message me on any channel with recommendations on web cameras to lighting, to, you know, mobile to not mobile, whatever it may be. And part of it is it's not a sales tactic. It's a, I want people to get over the hurdle. And funny enough, like technology is the easiest crutch we've always had, right? Like why don't you do webinars? Oh, you know, I don't have a great, you know, web, web camera. What about the one that's in your computer? And it's a hundred dollars for a, a great Logitech camera. Like that's the excuse we're using. And so I think that's an interesting one. And then I think the other piece of it is, you know, in this social media time, because we're all living in uncertainty, the more transparent we can be as leaders, as influencers, as those that people are looking up to, the more our message is going to resonate. Right now, we do not want people telling us what to do or talking down to us. And like one of one of the things that I and I actually have a piece of content coming out um, on Friday is you know how do we be transparent and vulnerable while maintaining authority? Because I think it's something that we 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 sometimes hesitate with. But when you know, when you're having to you know lay off employees, make these a lot of these really tough decisions. And then you have to jump online and convey that you're perfect and that you're a leader that has everything together. Not only is that, can your audience see through that, but as a person, that strain is, you become burnt out. And it's such a, a difficult piece. And I will say like, for me, the day everything changed in the digital world was November 2nd, 2013. November 2nd, 2013, I was actually my mom. I, I'm, a, I'm a mama's boy. And my mom had messaged me and she's like, Brian, one of the things that you always have done in life and in the, the roles that you have as a technology evangelist is you're unapologetically yourself. But she's like, why on social media do you not have a hat on? And why do I never hear you talking about you know, the things that you enjoy in life? And of course, I'm a mama's boy, but I was like, mom, you don't know social media. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, leave me alone. But then that day I, I sat back and I started to realize that I spent all my time trying to share what I thought other people wanted to hear. And on that day, I went into my mirror and I wrote, be yourself in giant letters on my mirror. And everything for me changed that day, right? I started working on a community. I went from 2,000 followers to 100,000 to a list with over a quarter million followers. And, and the secret has been not me trying to convey more stuff that I think others want to hear, but it was allowing people in and doing being myself in every way because that's the easiest way. Like offline to online, is only difficult if you're trying to fake who you are. 
it, mm. the, the difficult, the, the barrier is almost eliminated if you can embrace who you are and what you're about. And so that's why like I look at, at I called you know LinkedIn for the longest time. I've called it the digital golf course, right? Like my dad taught me that I needed to learn golf growing up because business was done on the golf course. But then the first time I was on the golf course with people that I wanted to do business with, nobody talked about business. It was all about life and you know the things that we connected with and helping each other solve problems. And then at the end, we built a relationship that ultimately was a business deal. And I think if we can approach LinkedIn with that kind of mindset, like what did you talk about at a salon or the networking event or the golf course, conveying that same kind of conversation is really where we extend relationships. If we just get on there and broadcast you know, digital messages or marketing and sales. Uh, I don't care if there's more people online, there's gonna be more people that are gonna unfollow and block us. Yeah, I, I, that's great. And I was thinking about what you're saying, the um, other thing that's been kind of forced on people is uh, for, for a lot of marketers, it's gonna be this kind of authenticity as well, because uh, you know, I'm, I'm working from home, I might have one of my kids running in here screaming any minute and uh, uh, or I, I need to actually might need to go pick up a delivery of hay that's coming in for our rabbits, you know, and so uh, who knows what's going to happen. And we're going to have all sorts of people making content, doing conference calls with, you know, all sorts of things going on in the background that, you know, is not the kind of polished professional lifestyle that everyone's used to. So I hope that's going to mean that marketers are going to be like, yeah, I can have a go at doing this new form of content. It doesn't need to be perfect. Hopefully we can all be more forgiving with each other if everything's not quite as polished as we used to in the kind of, uh, you know, the pre-coronavirus days. Well, if so, you think about it, just from like a, you know, like we've always heard the adage that people buy from people they like, right? Like that's been hmm. the adage for forever. But the thing that we forgot about that was we just, we didn't buy from people we don't like. Like if you had a lukewarm feeling for someone or no emotional attachment at all and the price was better, we would buy from that person. But there's things like influencer marketing. Let's let's put it out there. Influencer marketing, the, the idea of influencer marketing, like I got my first influencer, like, really nice paycheck in 2014. And, and funny enough for me as an influencer that in that time, the thing about it was that they were like, well, Brian, you didn't call yourself an influencer. I was like, well, no, I just recommended the things that I've used that my audience would trust. Right. And so I've always put it out there that like influencer marketing extends the trust of a brand to an audience that the brand might not know or might not have that established trust. And the thing about it is that that trust is built through relatability, right? Like it, it, all of us became influencers and became trusted resources because our audience could relate to us. And so if we think about it, the more authentic that the, the world comes, the more that relatability exists. And I can honestly say the more I think selling and marketing is going to become easier because we are going to be able to relate with the, you know, the things that are going around in the world. I mean, one of my most popular videos that I've ever closed business on is one where I got on there explaining the value of live video and why every brand should do it. And I bumped the button on my standing desk and both lighting gear fell on top of me. The beer that was off screen slid down off the table. And like I caught the beer, the laptop fell and everyone's like, he prioritized the beer over the laptop. Embarrassing as I was the one conveying it. But the amount of clients that came to me were like, Brian, if you're willing to show that human side of yourself, even as someone that we look at up as the person that most experienced in video, we'll hire you to help us do it, right? And so like, that's the perfect example of like, hey, this is all of our worlds now. We can't hide it because it's almost impossible. But I really look at relatability, you know, it was the secret sauce for influencers and it's gonna be continued to even grow even you know, at a greater rate. Yeah, thanks. Okay. And I just wanted to ask all of you um, for a few just maybe specific practical tips um, for people trying to switch their events to, to digital. 
um, you know, uh, maybe have like some speakers that they have already got lined up, I'm trying to make use of those. You've touched on this some a bit already, but um, I don't know who wants to kick off with uh, just a couple of minute, minutes each week just to give a couple of practical tips. And we will share links for any, any resources that you want to put into this afterwards as well. I don't know who, who wants to go first with that one. I can kick it off if you want. Go on, Ronald. Yeah. Um, so I really like and, and, and love the, the live uh, or live recorded broadcast. Um, so we discussed it already before. And on one hand, the results are much better. There's much more an engagement. Um, so you create really momentum where you drive the traffic at a certain moment to, to go live. Um, I think it's also good for, for the algorithms. They like um, live content right now. Every channel would like to be the, the live new live TV type, type of channel. Um, so that's something that really works. And I think the experience, which is in the end the most important part, is much better because it's a live interaction and people can ask and you can reply. If you do it live recorded, you can be in the chat yourself while um, while the presentation is there. If you do it live live, then you need to have some people that support you. Um, and I think that can be great. You can involve influencers um, in, in such a recorded live or, or live. And there's different type of formats. You can have, for example, a keynote and you have other people, analysts, um, thought leaders, influencers who can give the live opinions. So it's, a, let's say, some kind of simple format, which is um, similar to what you have currently as a live live keynote in physical events as well. Um, you can have a, um, a keynote where an analyst or an influencer can give his opinion, a pre and a post type, type of analysis. I did several type, type of these. Um, you can have the influencer doing the keynote, um, like Brian is doing tons of keynotes, which is great for the audience, great for the experience, and great for this external type type of view. And you can have panel sessions um, hosted by, by the influencer, which work very well. And if you look to all these formats, because they are live, as I said, you drive the um, audience to the event at the same moment, and this really drives the conversation and makes it a great experience for both um, the presenter, but especially for the audience, and it becomes much more authentic because, yeah, that's that's what they get. It's the raw material. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, we'll we'll share links. I, I've I've seen some of those you doing those sorts of videos, Ronald. They've been great. So uh, we'll share links and also um, some recommendations about which recording tools uh, to software to use for that as well. So, I don't know, Sally Bryan, who's next? Oh, shall I go next? Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Okay, I, I, I'm thinking of some R's. I've got some R's in my head here. So I think Ronald, would, I, I love the description there of all the different formats that we can use. And for me, going back to what Brian said, it's the people behind the technology that really comes to the fore as well. So yeah, I, I tend to talk with a lot of passion and I think being really okay with sharing that and being yourself and encouraging your speakers and your stakeholders to do the same thing is massively important. Empowering that can make a massive difference. But in terms of my R's, I think uh, relevance, number one, that a lot of organizations have got plans that were in place around physical events you know, going back going up to maybe september of this year or whatever so there's a lot of relevancy in terms of content there so when we're thinking about what we do convert that to into in terms of digital keeping that at the heart and not just doing it for the sake of doing it let's really concentrate on that relevancy and finding the right medium because again all our audiences we learn we consume in different ways we prefer different ways to look at bite-sized nuggets of data and insights like on twitter or something longer with pulse on linkedin and certainly these interactive experiences and for me i absolutely love that like the panel session allowing live q a sometimes twitter events as well with people coming together but having that portfolio approach of different ways that people can learn come together and share 
but making it relevant. So still keeping it to that core, you know, those core plans and core themes and even relating it to, to the current things that are happening, actually, because that makes it very real. So that's probably my next my next R would be to be real, real people, real stories, real narratives um, and getting those variety of experiences together and variety of perspectives. I think that adds real value. Um, the next one would probably be relationships. Um, I've always been a big one to build up, you know, big, long, trusted relationships with people and organisations. It's always the way I'd love to do that. I think you've got that kind of values alignment. Um, you go a long way. And that's if you are yourself, if you care about certain things and you have that experience and you have that flexibility and willingness and agility to kind of share that in different ways. I think I think that's great. You know, I think that's really important. I think people care about those long term relationships. I think now more than maybe ever before, that willingness to do different things and to work with people and organisations to find the right way to experiment, to iterate. It might not even be the right thing the first time, but next time will be even better. You'll learn from that along the way. So for me, relationships, I think, is absolutely vital as well. Um, what else? Well, I think I need another R. Rehearsal. Rehearsal. This is more from the technical point of view. And I think we touched on it right at the beginning as well, is the fact that you know, this is new for a lot of people and, and probably less so for ourselves. But in terms of people who are joining this for the first time, I think we all remember kind of being at school. And do you put your hand up to ask a question? It's even simple things like that. If you haven't yet used different mechanisms beforehand, do you want to be the person to ask the first one and helping people feel comfortable with that and doing that pre-prep beforehand so that people can even here we've got private chat on the side if we wanted to things things like that aren't always um, familiar to people so doing that work as well spending the time prior to an event and afterwards doing that in you know doing the relationship building in between and helping along that journey I think is vital as well so yeah so the R's are probably my um, kind of little guide to things that we can do but again it comes down to people technology working together and putting that focus Focus on education in between, um, you know, sharing those resources, helping people be comfortable, and just working iteratively. You know, I, I always believe in coming together. Uh, and going back to Brian's point about you know a bit of passion and personality, I always kind of think I have an expression about smiles go miles, and I actually think at the moment we need a bit more of that. Um, and uh, just as a bit of a call to action, um, aspirationfutures.com. As of next week, it will be fully live because we've got a new website. And this is all this is completely non-for-profit, which is why I'm mentioning it. Um, but it's all about educational resources, particularly for underrepresented groups. But there's actually an awful lot of content there that's very relevant for people using these kind of things for the first time. So I just wanted to share that because it, it's totally non-for-profit. But uh, yeah, so education, tech, impact. Let's bring these things together. Great. Thanks. Love that. Yeah, so I, I, I'd say, you know, I would add... Um, we need to start by defining what success looks like from the beginning. You know, the idea of taking an online conference or offline conference online, the, the, like the, the idea is what we put out there, but what is the technical goal that we have today, right? Is it lead capture? Is it emails? Is it to satisfy our employees and not feel alone? Is it to get our sponsors the values that don't have to return their deposit uh, that they provided, you know, ahead of time. We, we have to put that definition of what success looks like first and kind of reverse engineer from there. I feel a lot of uh, events are going to start with a platform or maybe even try to keep the same thing that success was offline online. And you have to start asking yourself, like, what goals and what things can I measure that can still achieve that success? And they might not exist in the online space, or if they do, you might have not have the tools and the mechanisms um, to actually make those happen. Uh, the idea of like, well, you know, we knew everyone was going to attend our event and our goal is just to put on the virtual event because everyone's going to want to be there. 
we probably need to come back to a little bit of reality that like we're not as important as we think we are. And, you know, as a speaker saying that, which I think is sometimes hard to say, right? Like, but that, you know, it's something from an event perspective is that, you know, what does, the, if it isn't lead capture, if it's the idea to provide a service, how many, you know, how many questions do you need on your, your entry form, right? Do you need 32 questions, you know, a blood sample and everything else that some of these events do? And if you don't, you know, start figuring out how that, how that works. Right. Or even, you know, like one of my favorite um, statistics or things to measure in the video, live video space, um, digital world is repeat viewership. Now there's no tool that does it, um, you know, but on my team for the brands that I work with, we actually take after a live video and we add into an Excel spreadsheet, everybody that attended. And then if we do another, you know, we'll do three in a week or three over two weeks. And we'll look at that list and whoever attended more than once, and you know, was in this event, we look at that as our persona, that as the, you know, because it's not only like, hey, we were just scrolling LinkedIn and a LinkedIn Live showed up, right? Or I was on my phone, you know, looking at cat videos and watching people freak out about, you know, staying at home and all of a sudden a video showed. But someone that's coming back a second time, right? Giving you their time a second time, that's a much more mature lead. That's a much more understanding of, you know, that piece of it. The other thing about it is understanding how views are, are measured in this world, right? Like how a webinar in, uh, you know, measures views versus live video, right? Like live video on Facebook, if someone's scrolling slowly, they will give you credit for a three second view without someone actually clicking in to your video, turning on the volume or even acknowledging it versus LinkedIn Live. LinkedIn Live waits for a five second view and requires someone to actually have clicked on the video itself, right? So these are things that in the offline world, you wouldn't say like, how many people viewed a keynote? You watched how many people came in the into the room, and that was the total amount of people. Even though they could have, you know, tuned it out or um, they could have done something else. And so I think that to me is 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 really important when we're looking at, you know, making an invest successful. I think one of the biggest things will be if you don't decide what success is beforehand, you can almost guarantee you're you're not successful because you're you end it and you're like, well, there wasn't that many people there, and we didn't get that many leads. But if if it was just to satisfy this certain group and you didn't need leads for that, then really you did, you could still be successful. So I think that's one of the big ones. And I think Sally hit it home a lot with, you know, and I'll, I'll use the C and I'll, I'll say community in the sense of, you know, right now, I think as brands, we have to shift our focus from the idea of getting new attention and new customers to focusing on the existing attention and our current customers. And I really do believe that is the that has to be our priority number one because our current customer, you know, we're seeing some companies that are you know trying to convey the trust beforehand by giving away, hey, the next 30 days are gonna be free. We're not gonna bill anybody, or hey, we wanna do you know, like I, I was actually you know laughing like Wendy's um, in my area, you know, like people are you know, hey, we should use DoorDash because um, you know, to support the local community rather than going through the drive-through. Well, when I went onto Wendy's, Wendy's on the DoorDash actually said, you know, we will we will provide the tip for the driver and give you free delivery if you use Wendy's. When I went to Applebee's, it was $6.99 for delivery. They had increased the, the charge by five dollars. And if you think about that from our side, it's one brand that's, hey, I, I'm investing in the community and I want to you know, help the small business owner and give you more reason. Another company saying, I'm taking advantage of the fact you can't go eat in a restaurant. And the difference is I don't look at Wendy's and Applebee's as the same thing for those that have been to both, but I will buy Wendy's 10 times more than that because that company is putting it out there. And so if you truly believe in community, you, you want to invest in community, 
it is about a giving mindset. It's about focusing on your existing audience. You're like, I mean, I hear this a lot when I actually heard it yesterday on a phone call. Someone was like, well, Brian, like, I really don't know if we're going to reach anyone outside of our existing list. And I was like, well, don't you think that's, if you can reach your existing list, it's like, would that be great? And they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And I was like, so why do we caveat it about trying to reach people that are outside our list, right? And like, and I think that's that community, we have that tendency and it's so weird because offline, we know who we wanna reach and we're excited about it. Online, because we have the ability to reach the world, we all of a sudden believe we need to reach the world. And I, will, I would argue, you know, reaching five more people today than you reached yesterday is probably a better success metric than trying to reach the world and everything you're doing. And so I think for events, we kinda have to think about that. And also think about the concept of, rather than doing a one, two day event, why not do eight four hour events over a two month period, right? Like we 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 have the time, you know, especially as speakers and influencers. Not like we're getting on airplanes. Like I mean, everybody that messages me is like, "How's your calendar?" I'm like, you you couldn't find like you could throw out a time and you're pretty much gonna hit it with a bullseye, right? And like because of that, like why not take advantage of that? Why do we have to assume that we are so important? We get eight hours of someone's day. Why not allow us to break it up? And to Ronald's point, you know. It, adding different types of content, right? Production value content that's pre-recorded, mixed with live Q&A interaction. You know, I'm one of the things that I'm building, you can kind of see it on my wall behind me, is I'm working on building a um, an interface for digital events. And I'm most people look at webinars and uh, live video. I'm throwing both of them out and I'm looking at Twitch, the online gaming platform, and I'm looking at eSports and saying, what do these dashboards look like from an interactivity, from a choose your own adventure, from giving the audience the chance to pick? Like if I don't like the live um, you know, content that's happening right now, what are my options to stay in your you know, experience, still consume, and then maybe come back in for the next conversation? These are things that we haven't really thought of in most of the webinar or Zoom world that exists. But I'm a big believer that if we want to capture the uncapturable audience of that digital consumer, we have to think so much differently. And like my whole piece of it is rather than starting with platforms or digital or offline content, let's start from that disconnected audience member. What what is their life look like right now? And then what are the things that we can provide that help them solve problems that maintain their attention? And I think that's that's an exciting opportunity. I mean, think about all of the content that all of us have and that, you know, let's face it, you know, once a video you know, is up for a month, no one's watching it. But if someone, you know, if you're conveying something and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna go on to the next topic, but if you wanna watch 20 more minutes on this, here's a video I created a month ago. Think about how much more value that is to that. Like you're actually showing them, hey, I understand you might not like this, here's an option. And we have that at our disposal. I just think most virtual events, most digital components, you know, I've been very bullish on calling out, like I've had probably, 19 software phone calls in the last uh, days because I, I pretty much called out the, you know, for me, everyone said, hey, how can we redesign this? And it's not that I don't think webinars have value or live video has value. I actually, the opposite. I just look at it and say, if we truly want to drive a digital event experience, we have to redesign that entire experience. And, and you know, and I think like, I mean, Twitch has the greatest community in all of social media, right? Like the number one is the longest time on site, the most loyalty, the most, um, you know, influencer, you know, connections. And for those that are watching this, I'm not a gamer. I, do, I don't even own, I haven't owned a gaming console in eight years, even though I'm like the backwards hat millennial guy. Um, and for me, I mean, I spent last night four hours 
watching Twitch streams and just charting what kept people engaged. How are these, these gamers, like you're literally watching someone else play a video game, right? Like to me, it's like, like my daughters watch YouTube videos of kids playing with Play-Doh. And I'm like, I played with Play-Doh as a kid. My kids watch on YouTube, right? Like really novel, weird concept. But when I was watching Twitch, like the amount of times people highlighted somebody that was watching. Hey, Eric351, thanks so much for jumping in. I see you've been watching for a long while. The amount of times they were like, I don't know if you guys noticed, but right now this other gamer is playing this game on their feed. You might want to go check that out if you're wanted. And I was like, that would anyone on a webinar ever highlight another webinar during your webinar? Never. Like it's like that's like the cardinal sin of webinar. But for when you watched it, the amount of people that are like, oh, I'll just open another tab and I'll bookmark that that other game that's going on. Thanks so much, right? Like learning from those that are doing it really, really well. And that and and I can tell you, Twitch has been. It's not something that I played with. I helped Adobe a while ago do some stuff over there. But right now, I'm looking at ways that people that are doing it great. And how can we incorporate that in our, you know, our digital events? Awesome. I'm right. just adding very quickly, to what, really quick to what Brian just said. There's something I'm doing with the BBC and their R&D, and it's looking at object-oriented programming. And effectively, you can change the narrative, and it gives the viewer the control about where that story goes. So it matches it to your personal interests. And I think, again, and, I, and I, I've been looking at what Brian's been looking at as well, so I totally get the community thing around that. I think it's awesome. But I also think this area will be really one to watch for the future as well. And again, giving that kind of shared co-creation, co-ownership, what matters to you, making that experience really, really personal. I think we're going to see some really exciting opportunities coming ahead. So yeah, I, I'm really into that as well. Great. Any, any closing comments from you, Arnold? No, yeah, one of the things that, that with physical events, everybody is there at the same time. I think with digital, we're going to spread it and we're going to create experience after experience and, and keep the people engaged. And I think that's that's a different mindset that we have to get as a marketer um, into our into our behavior and into our planning. Great. Thank you. Uh, you guys have shared so much really useful information. I hope it's going to be useful to marketers trying to get their head around the uh, whole uh weird situation that we're in at the moment. Um, uh, for us as Analytica, we are going to be trying to bring resources like this together. Um, I'm also going to get in touch with these guys, uh, following up some of the things they've mentioned, get any links from them. Uh, we'll probably also, you know, convert some of what they said into, you know, blog material as well, just to help unpack this, this great uh, advice from all these uh, years of experience that these guys have between them. Uh, so we'll be putting on our website. Um, hopefully that will come out uh, next week. And uh, I hope you also enjoyed the, the little cameo from my son there. Yeah, so he's a, it's his tenth birthday today as well. So uh, oh, congratulations! Wow. And, uh, and the, the school was at least open, so he was able to see his friends. So it's shutting tomorrow. So uh, yeah. Well, anyway, I'm glad at least he was able to have some fun today. And thank you guys for joining me. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to doing this again. I'm sure we'll have more conversations in the coming months to help navigate our way through these uh, these troubled times. Thanks. Thanks. Take care, everyone. Pleasure. Bye. Pleasure. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Thank you. Okay. Bye. <laughs>